0: bowl will crack they will fill the the cracks with gold and what it does is it upgrades the value of the bowl and so what you'll see is is these these shops where they actually collect these bowls that have trenches of gold in them and then they, they sell them for a significant price not only are there are they more sturdy but they've been upgraded <coughs> in price. You with me, here? Yeah. And it's really amazing how that's what God does with our lives. And nice. we're cracked and we're broken, yeah. if we're honest. Yeah. And then God fills in the cracks, yeah. not with dust, not with caulk, not with paste, not with glue, but he pulls us together with gold. And, of course, that's his Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. If you look in Ezekiel, okay. chapter 36, my prayer this morning is, number one, that it wouldn't rain, Amen. but number two, that everyone that would come would be inspired by the Word of God. Yeah. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, we read this incredible passage in verse 26. Wait, 26
1: or
0: chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws.
1: You
0: know, Ezekiel started prophesying to God's people during the second major exile into Babylon around 597 B.C., and the people went into Babylon literally feeling hopeless. They had been taken away from their homeland and brought to this place, Babylon. Now Babylon was actually a beautiful place. In fact, the wife of the, of the king uh, was from these rolling green hills and so she created what is now known by historians as one of the major seven ancient world wonders. And it was called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon where in the downtown region, she literally had these gardens that were stacked up to make it look like you were in the middle of the valley, uh, surrounded by green hills. It was a beautiful thing, architectural genius, engineering just blow away. I mean, there, there was nothing else like it, and really, there's been nothing else like it since. Wow. And so, the people of God go from the desert into Babylon, which was actually this, this beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Now Ezekiel, for the first seven years of his preaching, is actually condemning the people and calling out all the sin of the people, saying, we need to get our act together and, and repent before our God, otherwise he'll continue to allow us to be oppressed. Mm-hmm. But then he spent 15 years inspiring them with hope, and that's what we just read, yeah. where he gives them hope and he says, listen, you don't have to live this sinful life any longer. Come on, You don't have to live a life where your your, your cracks are exposed and your, your sin is out there. He says, God wants to give you a new heart right. and a new spirit. And that new spirit is not going to be up to you. But it's going to be His Holy Spirit that's going to lead you. So not only will you have a heart to obey God, but you will have the spirit to lead you to help you to obey God. Isn't that amazing? Come on, yes. yeah. This that's would awesome. give them hope. Because now they understood what it meant to be in a relationship with God. That, that being with God wasn't about just obeying the laws. It wasn't just about following the rules. But it was about being in a relationship with God. Amen. Amen. And Ezekiel gave them that incredible prophecy. You know, I don't need to give you guys a whole lot of stats to convince you that the world we live in is a very wicked place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to tell you what's going on in the news. You, you you can look with your own eyes and listen with your own ears and look at this world and be convinced very quickly that it needs an upgrade. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's
0: the title of our message this morning.
1: Upgrade. Morning, morning, you know,
0: we need to understand primarily that God wants to upgrade your life with a new heart. Yeah.
1: Right.
0: You know, in 1993, my parents were looking for an upgrade. Our family grew up in Chicago. My dad was painting bathtubs, and he heard about a church planting in Syracuse, New York. And so, literally, my parents moved my sister and I to be on this church planting to upstate Syracuse, New York. Who knows where Syracuse is? Okay, like
1: I think, someone, yeah, I'm like shocked that anyone knows where it is. So it's literally
0: like the suburb of, of, a, of a suburb. I mean, it's it's out in the, it's the middle of, of New York State. Whenever I tell people I'm from New York, they're like uh... so manhattan or Brooklyn, no, Syracuse. So what part of New York City is that? It's not anything to do with New York City. So I I grow up in this small town and literally at the time it was rated by, I believe, Times Magazine to be the number one place in America to raise a family. Uh, When you look at uh, at the job opportunities, when you look at the, the crime rates and all that stuff, it was the number one place to raise a family. So we go from Chicago to the number one place in America to raise a family. And it was quite an upgrade. My dad went to school. He got his nursing degree, license, whatever it's called. And he started being a nurse. And my sister and I uh, grew up in this really amazing place where you don't have to lock your doors at night. You don't have to close your windows at night. You can leave your car running in the parking lot of a grocery store while you run in and grab a few things. I mean, there, there was no crime. There was It was kind of like Little House on the Prairie, kind of. You just got nothing to worry about. It was amazing. And... Then in 2006, I moved back to Chicago, and the real world kind of woke me up a little bit. But, you know, it, it, was, it was in every way an upgrade for our family. No matter where you live, though, and no matter what time period you live in, the scriptures still ring true.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 12, that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold.
1: Right.
0: And so what that tells us is that there is constantly in our world an increase of wickedness, and a decrease in love. Now that's a that's a problem. That's a problem because the Proverbs teach that what every man and woman desires is unfailing love.
1: Right. And
0: so if we're living in a place that's decreasing in love constantly, but we're constantly craving love, all it's going to create is more sin, more loneliness, more depression, higher suicide rates, In other words, the world is getting worse and worse and worse. Can I get an amen on that? And I don't don't think that that that's anything I need to convince you of. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand that God wants to call us out of that and give us his kingdom, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is in every way an upgrade. Now, it's not the ultimate heaven. But it's an upgrade of what the rest of the world has to offer. An upgrade in relationships. An upgrade in righteousness. An upgrade in joy. An upgrade in zeal and and enthusiasm. And a fact that you can wake up and not have to worry about the worries of this world. At 13 years old, even growing up in a place like Syracuse, you still get introduced to a ton of sin. And at 13 years old... I got a phone call from my best friend who lived right down the street, he says, Joel, I, I, gotta, I gotta show you something, why don't you come on over to my house? So I go on over there, and he sits me down, and he turns on his computer, and it was the first time in my life that I ever saw pornography.
1: Mm.
0: Let's just keep it real here,
1: yeah.
0: and I saw it for the first time. And I don't know if you remember that, that day when you literally started to feel guilt. But I remember this day because I, I, I remember it as the time, the moment, when I feel like I entered from the light of God into the darkness of this world. And my curiosity had me looking into this more and more on a regular basis. And I, really, I got to a point where I was looking at the, these pornographic things every few weeks. And then it, after a while, turned into every week. And then it turned into every few days. And then it turned into every day. And As a young teenager, it starts to destroy who you are. And it creates an incredible amount of insecurity. And you start to try to put your best foot forward, but you feel so horrible. Now mind you, I was going to church every week. I was at church with my family every Sunday morning. I was at the midweek services every Wednesday night. I was at the youth groups every Friday night. But I had this secret lifestyle that I just didn't want to bring into the light because of how ashamed I was and how embarrassed I was by it. Maybe you guys can't relate. Come on, John. Yeah, come on brother. But I needed an upgrade. Yeah,
1: come
0: on. I needed an eye opening. I needed hope. I needed the idea that life can get better and that I don't need to feel like I'm addicted to any sort of vice like that. And so the second thing we've got to realize is even though God wants to give us an upgrade with a new heart, Satan is constantly trying to downgrade God's upgrade. And he is the father of lies. Yes. I mean, everything that you see is a facade. You look around the world and it looks good. I mean, you could have left freedom to go into Babylon and actually be convinced for a moment that it was going to be a great time. You could have been convinced. I mean, hey, at least we're not in the desert anymore. Look at these look at look at these gardens. Look at these people. They're so friendly. This is great. Maybe life in captivity in Babylon is gonna be better than where we were in Judah. And I think that there are a lot of people in this world that are deceived by the quote unquote beauty of this world yep. and actually falling for the lie. Right. Satan is a master deceiver. Yes, he, is. he is a master deceiver, and he wants us to be convinced that this world has everything that we want and desire. Come on, you know Satan is said in the Bible to be the prince of this world, but we don't we don't bow down to him. We bow down <laughs> to the King of Kings. Amen. And even Satan, one day, according to Philippians chapter two, will bow down and say, "Jesus is Lord." Come on. So we don't need to feel like. We have to be captive to these things in the world. Look over in Romans chapter 2. Come on, Joe. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 1, we sort of get God's perspective on all this. And he says, You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you you who pass judgment do the same things. Yes. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Dang. You know, some 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 of us might be sitting here, and and we might be struggling with the thought of, man, I never gave in to sins like mm. that. Mm. But you're doing the same things. Right. Yeah. The world is prideful, mm-hmm. and selfish, mm-hmm. grossly impure, grossly immoral. Oh, there's there's something on the list that that can touch your heart. Mm-hmm. There's something on the list. Therefore we should never look down on anybody else right. Come on. and at the foot of the cross the ground is level yeah. mm-hmm. and so no matter where you're at this morning in your righteousness before God you can take absolute confidence that the rest of us are there with you Come on. Yeah. and that we all need to work together yeah. to create this atmosphere of joy and righteousness and God calls it His kingdom. You guys with me here? You know, for me, I had a form of godliness. But according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can have a form of godliness but still deny its power. I had a form of godliness. My, my, My parents taught us from a young age, read your Bible, pray, go to church. So I had a form of godliness. But I was denying its power because... I was not repenting in my heart. I wasn't repenting. The power of God was not present in my life. Because there were sins that I had allowed myself to be captivated by. However, then this day came. came, And in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that? That God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, some people have to hit rock bottom. And rock bottom, man, it's, it's down there. And it hurts. And it's painful. And they hit rock bottom. And they go, you know what? Now the only way to go is up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people hit it. Thank God I never hit rock bottom. But I, I saw it. And that was close enough for me. Some of my closest friends... Started getting arrested in high school. Girls I was hanging out with were getting pregnant, having to drop out. And then I really took a step back and and go, hold it. Is this what the world has to offer? I mean, is this what life is all about? I'm supposed to be insecure. I'm supposed to win over all these relationships. Put all my trust and my love and my loyalty into these people. And then be betrayed by them. Is this what life is all about? This is this is not what I want to be a part of come on Joel and I and I realized that everything that I had all the good that I had of God could not possibly be there if it wasn't for the kindness of God and in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 the Bible teaches that the punishment that brought us peace was on him so in other words the only peace that I had in life, could be explained by the fact that Jesus died for me. And when I realized that Jesus died for me, so that I could live a life of peace, then it did not make me want to take advantage of God, but it did quite the opposite. It produced a gratitude, and a genuine gratitude that wanted to now repent and change my life. And I think we all have things that we need to be more grateful yeah. for in our lives. Yeah. It could always be worse. Right. It could always be worse. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Yeah. Those paychecks, where you live, the food in your fridge. These are all gifts of God that God desires will lead you to repentance. Yeah. The third thing we got to realize is that God wants to upgrade us with the Holy Spirit. So he gives us a new heart, but then he wants to give us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and counsel us, so with those desires, we can now aim them in the right direction, and get closer to God, and actually execute these deeds of righteousness that God wants from our lives. (laughs) There is a movie that my wife and I saw several weeks ago called Upgrade. Now... I, I don't really recommend this movie, but it is kind of what this, this, this lesson is based off of. And, uh, I know, it, honestly, if you watch the previews, that'll be enough for you. You'll get the pictures, but there's a guy who's, who's kind of like this mastermind, one of the most you know high-level geniuses in the world or whatever, and he creates this chip about the size of a dime. And he claims that he can put it into your neck and you will, you will, your whole body will be healed and you'll basically become a superhero. But he can't get it passed by, you know, the government and so he wants to do a trial run on somebody. So he sets this guy up to get in a car wreck that wouldn't kill him, but then once they wrecked their car, somebody would ambush them, kill his wife right in front of him, and then leave him paralyzed. So it's kind of crazy, again, I don't recommend the movie. And so this guy and his wife, they get in a car accident, he looks over at her, this, this uh, bad dude comes over, shoots her right in front of him, and then they come over and they, they sever his spinal cord, and they leave him uh, uh, quadriplegic, and then you know they take him into the hospital, and then this super genius guy shows up and goes, "Hey, I got this chip I could put in your neck, and it'll make you pretty awesome." And he goes, "That sounds like a great deal, because I got to go kill the guys that killed my wife." So they put this chip in his neck. I know, guys, this is
1: probably- <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're a great
0: bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully oh, I at least have your attention. <laughs> so they put this chip in his neck, and he goes from being a quadriplegic to being this superhero with, like, extra fast strength, and, like, literally, he's, like, walking around, and he can, like, talk to the chip, and he goes, all right, chip, take over, and and he'll be surrounded by bad guys, and and the chip will just take over, and he's not even paying attention to what's going on, but the chimp is, like, fighting, like, kung fu for him, and, like, <laughs> whooping dudes, and, and, and really gruesome stuff. Um, anyway, so, the idea... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here's the idea. Sin paralyzes us. Oh. Oh. All right, so stay with me. Oh. 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 Sin paralyzes us. And then God inserts a chip,
1: the Holy Spirit, oh. and it makes
0: us into the Superheroes. Oh. Yes. Oh. In other words, He upgrades our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. You
1: know, when I was
0: 15 years old, I finally decided to be all in. I said, Jesus is Lord, got baptized January 1st, 2003, changed my life forever, and got around a group of people that were all on the same mission. And that was simply to please God and evangelize the world. And as a 15-year-old, this was very exciting for me. The fact that I could now live with purpose. Now, it hasn't been an easy last 16 years. I've had my bumps. I'm sure we all have. But it was a dedication that I had made and a commitment that I had made To Jesus Christ to not just be my Savior, my Messiah, but also to be my Lord and my Master. That I would submit to Him at whatever level He asked me to submit to Him. That I would obey whatever passage that I read. That I would stick to God as closely as I possibly could. And then in turn, God gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit to follow Him with everything that I had. In 2 Timothy chapter (laughs)
1: 3...
0: In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Come on, Come on. The Bible reads: All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah. You know, we as disciples of Jesus Christ are fully equipped. Yeah. With the Word of God, Come on. the Word of Truth impressed on our hearts, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are now fully equipped to not just be men or women, but men of God and women of God. Yeah. And the thing that God gives us is the Word of God. And we've got to really cherish the Word of God. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we've got to be reading and memorizing and meditating and obeying the Word of God. This is what makes us men of God and women of God.
1: Amen.
0: Two weeks ago on Father's Day um, Courtney's mom's side of the family had a little reunion and they were gathered together in the kitchen and it was her uncle Hank and Hank's sister and then uh, mom and dad. And literally, as they're there as a family, they are exchanging words of kindness to each other, and her aunt says to her dad, I love you, and when the dad went to go say, I love you back, he fell down and had a stroke right on the floor. And now this is the patriarch of the family. He's rushed to the hospital. And two days later, my wife and I had the opportunity to go and visit him in the hospital. And he had been in and out of consciousness. Um, The left side of his brain was completely shut down. And his right side of the brain, which is controlling of the feelings, was still active. And so when he sees somebody, he doesn't know your name. He doesn't really know how he knows you. But he connects with you emotionally as to what that relationship was like. And when we were walking into the hospital room, we didn't know if he was going to be awake or not. So we prayed. We said, God, please just wake him up. Let us share our thoughts and our hearts with him and uh, let him be awake so he can, he can hear us. And so we literally go into the room and we're standing by the bedside. And I kid you not, the moment we stand by the bedside, he wakes up. Mm -hmm. And his eyes open and he he looks straight at us and we just started crying. And we had an amazing opportunity just to share with him how much we love him, how grateful we are for him. Uh, We thanked him for all the incredible things he had done for the family. All the lives he had saved as a successful physician all over all those years and we really wanted to communicate to him that his life was meaningful and that we had been impacted by his life and it was so amazing because his nods were on cue and there was even a moment where Courtney got close to him and he with all of his might scooted closer to her on the edge of the bed and we shared a very special moment as a family he was a very good man very good man but there's a difference between being a really good man and being a godly man come on and our desire has got to be more than just being good people but to be godly people in the eyes of God who don't just read the scriptures but hold to them and obey them to please God you know the most famous time of captivity in the Bible was when the Israelites were taken captive by the Egyptians and we all know the story of Moses and the Exodus and we know the that they were there for 430 years and that God speaks and he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh, after (laughs) 10 plagues, finally lets them go. And I think in a very real world, Jesus, in a very real way, Jesus is saving us from the world, (laughs) saying to Satan, let my people go go. come on, man. And then the question is go and do what? Because many of us have been to the church before. Many of us have home churches outside of the Seattle International Christian Church. But what are we supposed to do? Yeah. It's not just to upgrade our knowledge. It's not just to upgrade our intelligence or upgrade what we know about God or don't know about God. God wants us to upgrade our lives yeah. To, yeah. to actually hold to the teachings and obey what Jesus had told us to do what he tells to do in Luke chapter 10 verse 37 in teaching about mercy he says go and do likewise we yeah. need to have a heart to go and give right. and give to the lost and give to those that need mercy give to those less fortunate we need to go and give in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 he says go into all the world and preach the gospel we need to have a heart to go and gather yeah. because there are a lot of people that need to hear the message of the gospel and we need to go gather them
1: come
0: on in john chapter 15 and verse 16 he says go and bear fruit we got to go get it we got to have a heart to go and grab these people and not just bring them out to church but build relationships with them and then get the job done in luke chapter 9 verse 60 he says go and proclaim the kingdom of god we need to go and glorify our God. Amen. I mean, the Bible teaches that with unveiled faces, we reflect the glory of God. Mm-hmm. We need to have a heart to go out there and reflect the glory of God. Come on, bro. And in turn, glorify God. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, we need to go global. We need to go global because it's not just the Americans that need this message, really people all over the world. Yeah. I had an opportunity in 2015 to go to Abidjan Ivory Coast and do a little missionary trip down there, and that's actually where I got this shirt. When I went down there, I said, "I want an African shirt, not a shirt made by Africans. I want, I want a shirt that's that's actually an African shirt." And so this is uh, one of the specialty shirts from uh, Ivory Coast. And every time I wear it, which is really only on uh, International Sundays, <laughs> but every time I wear it, it reminds me of the fact that we are an international church, and I'm so grateful to be a part of an international church, not just nominally. But the fact that we have fellowships and discipling churches all over the world just really gets me excited about the fact that the gospel is being spread all over the world. We
1: need to
0: go and give. We need to go gather. We need to go get it. We need to go and glorify. And we need to go global. Let's not just upgrade our lives, but upgrade this lost world for Jesus Christ. (coughs) Amen?